Welcome to our podcast series on preparing for the future. Hi, I'm Randy Baldwin, Vice President of Human Healthcare Marketing at Care Credit. And today we will be discussing creating efficiencies from digital processes with Patty Casebolt, who is our Chief Quality Officer, and Keith Casebolt, the CEO of Medical Eye Center in Medford, Oregon. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Randy. Uh, we're happy to be back again with you today. I'm, in, uh, I'm fortunate to have been at Medical Eye Center now for almost 25 years. We are a multi-specialty ophthalmology practice uh, with several subspecialists, optometrists, and one PA. We, we have about 165 staff members who work in the clinic area, optical, our medical spa, and the surgery center. Patty, you've been here even longer than me. Why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you, Keith. Yeah, I've been with Medical Eye Center now for 31 years. And my background is in our clinical, operational, and marketing areas, as well as risk management. My role now as the Chief Quality Officer allows me to work with our management team to focus on our process improvement throughout the organization and maximize our opportunities. A large portion of my time is allocated to coaching our managers and improving our benchmarks that increase our revenue. Well, thank you both for sharing a little bit about your background and helping us to help the audience understand exactly who you are. You know, on our last episode, we discussed the importance and urgency of adding digital solutions to a practice to keep up with the modern patient experience. You know, we found that it is critical to be proactive in this shift to continue the profitability and pro productivity, really, of a practice. So in this episode, we want to discuss creating efficiencies from these digital processes that you guys may have implemented. So Patty, you know, you mentioned some things your practice is doing that you found successful. So can we, number one, dive deeper into those processes that you have actually have identified? Number two, explain where these new opportunities might be for other practices. And then again, number three, let's look at adapting existing resources that a practice might incorporate for their own business. Thanks, Randy. Sure. Let's first look at, you know, some of the areas within each practice where opportunities may exist to improve either patient experience or the patient's um, productivity. Okay. Either of these ultimately benefit patients. For example, in our own practice, we prioritize solutions that would address departments where we experienced either a staffing shortage or were lacking experienced staff. Mm -hmm. The first area that we looked at was our LASIK program. Several years ago, we downsized our patient counselor department due to a decline in our LASIK volume. However, when our LASIK volume returned to a robust number, we didn't have enough of our LASIK counselors to handle the incoming calls. So we identified a better training for the new counselors. We turned to a company called Line, which is spelled L-I-I-N-E, and you can find that at line.com. They have an, an AI-powered platform that captures all of the incoming phone and online inquiries. They provide scripting and coaching for the team, as well as providing key indicator reports and benchmarks. In fact, we found an increase of 20% in our lead to consult conversion rate within just a few months of working with them. And our new patient counselors felt more confident with routine feedback that was specific to each of their calls. Now, wait a minute, Patty. Did I hear you right? Did you say you had a 20% increase? And was that what you expected? Or, 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 or how, how did that pan out for you? 
You're right, Randy. I did say a 20% increase. And I don't know that's what we expected. I mean, we were excited to find, you know, some type of resource to help us. But mm -hmm. in fact, we did increase our lead to consult conversion rate by 20%. And yeah, we were extremely pleased with the results. Another that's area, great. yeah, I mean, another area in the LASIK program that we focused on was giving patients the ability to schedule their own appointments, regardless of the time of day. After working with a couple of different companies, we found that we preferred a company called Acuity. Patients appreciate the freedom to choose a day and time that works best for them and the ability to do it in real time. Hmm. If, you, if your listeners are interested, they can find out more about Acuity at acuityscheduling.com. And lastly, we looked at finding a solution to communicate with LASIK patients who went to our website after hours. We added a chat feature on the website that allows patients to chat with a live representative 24 seven. And it's important you know, to us that whoever we were working with, we, we really felt like they needed to represent the practice in a professional way and especially be sensitive to risk management. So we've been working with this company called Fast Track for a few years, and we have been very happy you know, with their product um, and our patients are able to satisfy most of their questions in real time by using this chat feature. Ultimately, our goal is to have our own staff speak with these patients, uh, but it's helpful to have a tool that can assist patients during our off hours. You know, Patty, it's very interesting that you guys decided to add a live representative to answer questions for consumers or patients on the on the off hours of the of the practice. That's very interesting. So would you say that that contributes to your 20 percent increase in your conversion rate? You know, Randy, I think it had to have because, yeah. you know, patients are interested and this is disposable income. So the faster that we can reach them and answer their questions, the faster they you know, may choose to go ahead and move forward with their LASIK decision. Yeah. And I also like the fact that you said you're going to have your own staff eventually speak with the patients because that's extremely important to have that connectivity between the patient and your own practice. So that's fantastic. So I have another question for you, Patty. What about the other two services that you implemented? How has that benefited the practice? Well, the first one, the online LASIK scheduling features, saves on average around 10 minutes per patient. It's been much more straightforward and efficient for patients, but it also frees up our staff um, to work on higher priority items. And then the other feature I talked about, the chat feature found on our LASIK website, that enhances several areas for the practice. It provides greater staffing coverage, for instance, during the hours when the office is closed. And also patients see that we have invested in the technology and I think that adds to their confidence in the practice. And then lastly, we have faster access to leads because that chat feature will connect patients directly to a patient counselor instantaneously. Wow, that's, that's actually fantastic. And no doubt with these practices or these new procedures that you implemented, a practice needs to adapt their current situations in order to affect their business. So these three areas that you just discussed obviously must help for sure. But speaking about adapting, for example, being in the pandemic, I'm sure there will be studies done on how the healthcare providers survived and how they had to adapt during this time. In fact, I know of a recent study from the McKinsey and company stated that 71% of healthcare executives expect that the COVID-19 pandemic to be one of the biggest opportunities for growth in their industry. So as we all know, 2020 may have launched the momentum for the digital shift, but 2021 could be an acceleration of that demand. So with that, Keith, what are your thoughts on that? 
I agree, Randy. I think patients of all ages are becoming increasingly adept, uh, whether they're forced to because of quarantining or they just have more time uh, to check out these options. But people are utili utilizing apps to book flights, hotels, car rentals. Most of us who are in the industry and travel a little bit already have been doing that, but I think it's just broadening out in a, in a pretty massive way. I think the pandemic shifted even more ordering of household goods and food through places like Amazon, Etsy, Instacart. People are ordering their dish soap with Alexa, um, not to mention restaurant food delivery for people who are at home. So there's been a huge shift in willingness and experience with digital efficiencies on the consumer side. And I think practices are really um, required to respond to that and offer more than they have in the past because this is a mega trend that just continues to accelerate. If you go back to the Y2K scare in 1999, when the, you know, the world was gonna end, companies invested billions of dollars in new information technology just to try to mitigate that potential problem. And then of course, nothing happened with Y2K. But in a few years, the overall productivity in the economy increased and it was driven by those investments in technology. So I think we are exactly in the same place as we were back in Y2K as far as the uh, impact that technology is about to have uh, everywhere. Yeah, you know, it's interesting how you bring up that uh, Y2K situation and more than likely all of us that are, are listening in uh, were around during that time, but how would you relate that to the healthcare specifically? Well, uh, first, never waste a good crisis, right? So many of us are uh, either in crisis or pretty close to in crisis now that the vaccine mandates um, have been rolled out nationally and affect pretty much all of us. Everyone's looking for staff and, and there's a lot of change going on in that regard. Um, you mentioned earlier that many healthcare executives see the pandemic as an opportunity and I, I think that's right on. And every leader and every practice would benefit from thinking about how that might be true for their organization, particularly in the area of technology. Um, wages where we are are rapidly rising. And I think that's probably true nationally because there's just more open positions than there are applicants. So it's supply and demand. That makes anything that a person does a lot more expensive. So overall labor costs are rising rapidly. Now, I don't see that going back quickly, maybe not at all. Although it'd be nice to be wrong about that. So I think <laughs> everyone, we've got to look for automation opportunities and have fewer labor hours per anything, you know, fewer labor hours per patient registration, fewer labor hours per surgery scheduling, per, you know, patient visit, whatever the metric you want to look yeah, at. I agree. I agree with you, Keith, on that. Yeah. One little example is we recently signed um, with an electronic signature service and we signed with a company called DocuSign. We're using it initially for financial documents and contracts um, internally that senior managers and doctors you know, sign, but we expect to gradually roll it out for benefits and other forms signed by employees. So uh, a wider implementation for HR, and it's so much more efficient than chasing down signatures on paper. And then everyone gets an electronic copy of what they sign. Well, you know, that does actually sound like it would be more efficient. And that's certainly an application that directly affects the patient, right? Um, 
are there other types of applications that you guys are using that will affect the patient's experience? You know, Randy, like Keith said, uh, you know, looking at ways to be more efficient to increase the patient overall satisfaction is really important, especially right now during this crisis. And, you know, as, as well as the financial documents, this new uh, program will allow us to look at ways in which to roll in things like uh, electronic patient forms. I think patients absolutely hate all the forms they have to fill out, right? Um, consent forms, and all the other documents that patients have to sign. And right now, I don't know if that's going to come via our EMR or through a company like DocuSign, but I think with this kind of technology becoming available now, we're recommending that you know people check it out. And then I think another opportunity um, internally for patient experience is looking at things like um, ordering and shipping of contact lenses. Right now, we are using an automated system that's quicker and more efficient for patients, and obviously the staff. Patients really appreciate, you know, not having to come into the office, especially right now during a pandemic. And, you know, they can order these from the comfort of their own home. And then lastly, you know, Randy, one of my favorite features that we've just added is from the Care Credit credit card. And it's the pre-qualification feature that allows a patient to fill out a form in the office and find out right away if they pre-qualify. What I love about it best is that it's fast and uh, the patients don't have to hurt their bureau credit score just to find out if they pre-qualify. So we're finding that patients are using this, puts them in the driver's seat and it allows them to you know, get to those products or procedures that they really want. You know, you're absolutely right. And thank you for actually bringing out that feature about care credit and as you know, I work for Care Credit, so I do appreciate that. We always are trying to look for different applications of technology that will help the patient's experience to streamline it and make it faster, easier, um, especially to apply for, for um, credit and um, see if they are approved before they actually hit their, 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 their credit scores. So, so, you know, most of the items that we were discussing are patient-facing technologies and products. So what about practice tools? You know, the kind that the patient might not be aware of, but you use within your practice to enhance their experience. Yeah, there's a, uh, many opportunities for creating efficiencies behind the scenes. So let's talk about a couple of those. You know, in many smaller practices, the accounting system is fairly manual. And today there's a number of different products for different uh, organization sizes that can automate many parts of the accounting and financial reporting packages. And they aren't really that expensive anymore. We moved to um, NetSuite a year ago and saved about half an FTE immediately. And we're able to produce a lot more information and analysis with far less work. And it's much quicker to boot. Before also, you go on, so, um, keep before you go on, explain what FTE is, just in case our audience doesn't know what that stands oh, for. Oh, sure. Uh, Full-time equivalent. It's just jargon for labor hours. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Um, there's another product that we're using called Power BI, um, and that marries with NetSuite. And so we download information into Power BI, and we're gradually automating almost all of our key performance indicators and statistics and that's saving us uh, even more labor than what we achieved by the initial um, implementation of NetSuite. So Power BI pulls information from our EMR, and then we get a whole bunch of different reports. 
and those reports are updated automatically. So once these reports are built, they just live out there in our dashboards. So practices of different sizes have uh, access to different tools, but that's definitely something worth looking into. And so those are examples that are invisible to patients, but the overall savings uh, to the practice can be significant as well as improvement in the overall quality and therefore hopefully you know, decision-making within the practice. You know, Keith, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, thanks for covering some of those technologies that are invisible to the patients, but yet they're extremely important uh, for the practices. In fact, it was great information from both of you uh, on this subject. But it sounds like there's a lot of things that are happening in the areas of digital transformation. So as we get to the end of this podcast, what last comments do you have about all of these technologies? And do either of you have advice on what to take on as a project for a practice? Yeah, I would just say generally, um, as you're thinking about your role in a practice, leadership includes looking over the horizon and thinking about what comes next. Now, most of us are pretty absorbed right now with the problems you know, of today or this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, as leaders, we've got to be looking ahead. So tech advances are not slowing down. So what you thought was available three years ago has probably changed. So I think, you know, going to meetings, whether that's in person or virtually and talking to vendors and peers at other practices and being well read for oncoming trends, trends is really important. I think another key is to implement at the right time. Being the beta site is not always a good idea, but it may be. So you just have to think about the pros and cons and make sure you know what you're getting into. Being the last to implement means living with a lot of inefficiency and maybe falling behind or having higher cost. Once a decision is made, that's you know where the fun really begins. So that's the hard part, Patty. Why don't you talk us through that? Well, I, I think I debate um, your your word of fun when implementing. <laughs> but easy, easy for me to say. Easy for the CEO yeah. to say, yes. So those of us in operations, uh, I think, and we've talked about this, Randy, in previous podcasts, but the importance of a well-thought-out plan before rushing to implement anything. And, you know, let's look at, um, you know, an example of ordering and shipping contact lenses as an example. It sounds like it would be pretty simple, right? but it always takes more time, at least than I think, um, to begin a new process. So I think the number one, um, number one thing to consider before implementing anything is buy-in. Like how do I get staff and management and partners, you know, everybody on the same page? And the number one thing I see is inclusion. You know, I always find that when I haven't included the right people, it creates more work all over the place, especially on the back end. So involve everyone who's going to be affected and explain what you want to do, and the big one is why you want to do that. Um, it may seem obvious, but don't assume that everyone gets it. So that's number one. Number two is be clear about how each person will be affected by this change. That means explaining how they're going to benefit, assuming they are going to benefit, sometimes they don't, but explaining why, why this implementation is, is you know, going to be um, implemented and, and what's your goal at the end of the impl implementation. And thirdly, for those who don't like the change, allow them to have their feelings. Allow them to, you know, have some feedback um, and get that out there. Because if you're not listening to it, someone else will, and that's just going to create conflict um, down the road. 
So listen to their concerns, address their concerns, and draw out any of their objections um, and make sure that you have solutions or at least some workarounds. Um, ignoring it won't make it go away. I found it's better to draw out the resistance early and deal with it really you know, transparently. And if you don't, the resistance is going to be there. Um, and it's a pretty painful way and can kill your, your project over time. And then lastly, Randy, you know, be willing to prioritize. You know, stop doing some other tasks that you, you know, have on your plate um, while this new project is rolling out because these projects, these new implementations, for me anyways, take much more time than I probably initially allowed. And if I don't give them the time, the time is going to be taken up somewhere. And it may be down the road and maybe a failed project because I didn't, you know, I didn't give it the amount of energy on the front end uh, that it really needed. Or just a lot of rework. Yeah. I mean, how of often it. have we, you know, had that yep. experience? Yep, for sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, we, we, we don't mind test and learn. But mm -hmm. um, to your point, um, Patty and yours too, Keith, that the sooner they can help identify some of these areas, test and learn and move on with the right solution, the better it would be for the practice, but ultimately the better it would be for the patient experience. I think you guys would agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Patty and Keith, again, I wanna thank you for you spending some of your time sharing your thoughts, your insights, and really sharing with the audience your implementation on the digital transformation and creating efficiencies from digital processes. I'd like to also thank our listeners for taking the time to listen to the third and final episode of Preparing for the Future. This is an educational series with Patty and Keith Casebo, and we hope you enjoy and have some new tips to bring into your practice. 